I'm in a secret location that is um, so underground ma- bunker. So uh, many secrets. <laughs> You're full of mysteries, Sister Christian. <laughs> as true in life, as true in this show. Today is Thursday, May 6, 2020. This is the producer's it's happy hour. <laughs> Sorry, God we have to damn do that it. again. Sorry. We're going to do that again. <laughs> what professionals we are, everybody. I have to tell you, it's fucking professionalism at its finest. <laughs> Today is Thursday, May 6th, 2021. This is the producer's happy hour. Yes, we are two producers on the opposite coast. Lawrence Lewis is in LA. Actually, he's in the desert today, but I'm Sister Christian. Mm -hmm. I'm in New York City and we're chatting over drinks about what it means to be a good producer. Completely understanding that these days it's more important than ever to know and be a good producer. Yes, we're still trying to keep people safe. And the down is just so busy right now. So uh, being strong at your job is really important. And we want to hear from you. We want to hear from everybody. So please join the conversation at producershappyhourgroup.com or email us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. You can send us questions or comments, ideas for show topics, anything you want. And better yet, send it to us in the form of a voice memo so we can hear your voice instead of ours for a change. And please do us a favor. I will consider it a personal favor if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Basically, because of algorithms and shit, we can reach more people like you and help them find the show if you rate us. And if you have any questions for us, join us for office hours. Christian, I believe in mentorship and sharing information in this business. So if you're new to the industry or if you're stuck somewhere in your career and want some advice, feel free to hit us up. Same email, producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just let us know you want to have office hours with us. Office hours are in. Yeah. So Lawrence, what are you drinking today? Okay, well, today I'm, as you said in the open, I'm out in Joshua Tree. There's a lovely place here that I love so much called Red Dog Saloon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Pioneer Town. I may have been once or twice. Yeah, they have these uh, little things called Tommy margaritas, which <gasps> is a mezcal yes. margarita. They sell them to go. They put them in a little can. They can them. So you have this little <laughs> tiny aluminum can, and they're delicious. So I am enjoying a Tommy's margarita from Red Dog. Nice. I uh, had a little upset stomach and was like, hmm, what am I drinking? Actually, I'm going to forego the liquid, and <laughs> I've just had some gummies. There you go. Happy hour. So we'll see when they hit everyone. It'll be very exciting. (laughs) Happy hour takes us, uh, you know, takes all kinds of twists and turns as we uh, (laughs) as we move through this crazy life. Navigate through this world of production. (laughs) So uh, weeks gone by, Christian. What is your what's your situation? What are you doing? How are you hanging in there? You know, trying to hang in there. I think jobs are overlapping these days, so things are busy. I also am taking another trip to Kentucky this weekend for Mother's Day. Um, you know, I feel like I'm back and forth to Kentucky a lot. I hope that that evens out because I can tell you summer's going to be one hell of a busy time. <laughs> oh my God, I bet. I know. So how are you? About the same. I'm inundated with possible jobs and I'm on one job now and the, you know, it's like, it's back to that crazy juggling of your schedule and how much can I take on? How much can I overlap? Because it's and managing expectations right now because- and managing expectations. Yeah. I mean, I 
I just feel that the last discussion that I had with crew on set was that, like you just said, there's a ton of calls coming in, but the experience level uh, or the you know job type has been suspect, I guess. <laughs> and so people are just you know turning them down, to be honest. Yeah, it's a it's a cruise market, and a out lot there. of stuff has gone away. Like, like the, like we'll bid it and all things and like have quotes come in and everything and it's ready to go. And then they need to cut $200,000 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or push it a month or bring it up a week <laughs> yeah. or <laughs> change it to blue. All the different uh, variations yeah. of, of craziness are happening. I remember you and I talking, you know, at one of our 80 million episodes from last year about, mm-hmm. you know, bidding for free versus paying for it and those things. And right now people are literally begging you to give them information in order to get a job that is 90% possibly going away. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's that's it too. And um, a lot of so, reach outs, a lot of a lot of uh help like, you know, who do you use oh, in I this city? Quick question for you. How much would it cost to do this in New York? And you're like, no, uh-huh. that's not a quick question. <laughs> that <is> a bid. <laughs> that's a bid. Yeah. <laughs> I just always say like, I don't know, um $282,000. Just some random number and see. I just Can you back that up that with up. stuff? Sure, you have to pay me though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot going on and a lot of newer companies are popping up, new entities, and it's all really interesting. I'm choosing my jobs carefully because I because I want to. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm engaging with more interesting companies on more interesting projects, and I think that's more exciting to me coming out of the last year than just, you know, doing another soap commercial. No offense to soap commercials because they, they pay, I use it they pay my bills. Of, yeah, I use soap all the time. Yeah. Especially, you know, washing my hands. But I know, and you know, that we can do the soap commercials. So it's nice to get out there and do other things. Do new things. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. So today's show topic, we thought that we would discuss how to deal with HOPs because, you know, you're going from company to company to company out there right now. And we're chatting with Rebecca Davis, head of production at Missing Pieces. Yeah. Rebecca is, she's been around the block. (laughs) Once or twice. Yeah. She's skilled in negotiation, budgeting, advertising, commercials, national campaigns, the whole works. She previously served as a freelance line producer and which is great because, you know, a lot sometimes head of productions only come from internal. So mm-hmm. she, her having that background of a freelance line producer is great. She was also a staff production supervisor at Pretty Bird and HOP at Furline before moving on to Missing Pieces. We have a great little conversation with her about how she operates as a head of production and how she engages with us line producers. And what she expects from a producer. So let's take a listen. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. Why don't we start off by asking where are you based? Are you working from home these days? or in an office? Like what's your daily routine? I am based in Los Angeles. The company that I work for, we have offices in LA and New York, and all of us are working from home. So my routine involves basically what you see physically right now on the Zoom. This is my space and um, we're in it, guys. We're in it. How has that been? I mean, it, you were working at a big, lovely office with a lot of teams and a lot of people and hustle and bustle. And how's the shift been to this virtual thing? For the most part, everyone, including myself at our office, likes being around people yeah. and likes working around people. So mm-hmm. it's definitely been very challenging. Mm-hmm. I am an extremely introverted person socially. 
but I'm extremely extroverted when I work. I could work shoulder to shoulder in the mix nonstop. And it fills me up with energy instead of depletes me. That's, Whereas if um, I did that socially, I would probably die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> very, very much the same way. <laughs> yeah, I can't. But I need that for work. I have some anxiety about what's it going to be like going back? What's that look like? No one mm. really knows. What does going back to the office look like? We scenarioed what it would be like to get back to work. You know, like last April and May, we were thinking, what's work going to look like? And I think that everyone's going through the same thing right now. Like, what does getting back in the office look like? So let's back up a little. How long have you been head of production at Missing Pieces? I've been head of production there for four years. And where were you before that? I was head of production at Furline before that. And then prior to that, I was the staff production supervisor over at Pretty Bird. Ah. And then before that, I was the line producer. Mm-hmm. But like small jobs, not missing pieces for a line, pretty bird sized jobs, <laughs> right. much smaller jobs. Right. Rebecca, how would you define your role as head of production? And like, pretend I'm your cousin from like Kentucky. How would you tell me you do what you do? Well, this is a really funny question that you would ask it like that. My dad, who's a lawyer, has since retired, but a lawyer, every couple of years, he will ask me, so what do you do again? <laughs> <laughs> what What is it that you do? Because you can't physically, one of my sisters is a director. You can physically oh. see what she does. You see mm-hmm. a finished video. One of my other sisters is a performance artist. She does musical theater. Mm-hmm. You can physically go to her show. Wow. You cannot see what I do. Mm-mm. So it is not as tangible. Mm-hmm. And every company that I have seen has the head of production role is very different. Yeah. That's yes, kind of why everyone. we wanted to ask you. It's it's very different. It's very different. Some places it's only bidding. Yep. Some places it's no bidding. Some places it's very accounting heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, what I specifically do is I oversee all the jobs that we do, whether mm-hmm. it is issues during bidding to make sure that we are covering for X, Y, and Z, or we need to figure out how's this non-tangible project how do we have some parameters? How do you have some guardrails on something that's not very tangible? And Lawrence has been part of a lot of those jobs. Once they go into production, I continue to oversee that. So I check in with the producer. I work with the production teams, whether it's a union issue, a crew issue, a budget issue, a personality issue. You just need another <laughs> brain to get in there to help think about something. Basically, whatever which fire, which happens constantly. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) And primarily what I do is whatever fire is burning hottest, whatever problem it is at any of the various stages of the project, I deal with it. Sometimes, for instance, just a couple of days ago, it was a job that already shot. We'd already bid it, awarded it, shot it in the can, budget wrapped, full on in Mm post-production. So, but we had a massive issue come up. Oh God. Which was, we had a pizza box that was not cleared because mm. an art PA instead of a mm-hmm. set deck or prop person had put in accidentally instead of their cleared pizza box, oh. the uncleared. Right. Yes. So we're going hours away from delivery. I get a frantic phone call. There's a pizza oh, box. No. It's not our cleared box. This has to get cleared. We cannot edit it. We cannot mm. blur it. We cannot do anything. Ugh. So then I frantically try to make sure that I get this piece of artwork cleared. So we and the client don't get sued <laughs> down the road. 
thank God it wasn't a massive chain and it was a local business that we were able to track it down, Mm -hmm. but it was a super massive problem for the time that that problem was on my plate. So whatever issue is the hottest, I like a spotlight, I turn my attention onto that singular focused issue to help resolve it as quickly as possible. Wow. That's amazing. And I have to say, I've been around the block and been at a few companies here and there. You have your head around those legal and union issues very well. And it's great working with you because you definitely feel supported because I can come to you with that kind of problem and you just you understand it. The way you operate at Missing Pieces is, like we said, it's different from other companies, but you really fill in this gap of support that I think doesn't exist at a lot of places. So it's pretty great, I think. Um, well, it's interesting. It's interesting feedback because I've worked at two other very large companies, but that's it. Because when I was line producing, it was in a much smaller market. It was in Seattle with a couple of smatterings mm-hmm. of jobs in Los Angeles before I was picked up by Pretty Bird. And I don't have the experience of having worked at all of these other top companies to really see. I'm friends with a lot of other heads of production. Yeah. We talk, yeah. Yeah. But it's very different than There's knowing like a... the day to day. There's like a special group of you guys who talk to each other. It's yeah. like a wine. Like a wine club. Heads <laughs> of production, no, wine drinkers. I mean, that's kind of why we do this podcast. We as producers, we don't ever get a, you know, sure, when we're production managers, we work with producers. But then once you mm-hmm. kind of cross that bridge, there really isn't a defined way of producing. Every producer is different and you only get to work with however many you work with when you're a PM and that's it. And sometimes it's not a lot. Sometimes you go your whole PM career with one or two producers. This whole industry is a little bit of like, find your own way. You know, you create the job yourself. I mean, unless you're, you know, a grip, you know, there's a defined role there. But kind of in terms of what we do, it's quite fluid. Hence why we're here talking about it. As a head of production, you're interacting with both the executive producers of the company and the line producers of the job. What's your interaction? How does it change between you're supporting and being supported by these two different types of producers? What's your interaction with them? And how do you adjust what you do to work with these different types? I always view my job, specifically how I view my job and our job as a whole. I view it as each production, it's almost like its own life force. Mm-hmm. It has its own needs, which is whatever it is you're filming, making, creating. It has its own needs. It has its own timeline. It has its own challenges. And it has its own personalities. Mm-hmm. And I always view what I do as starting at a high level. What's the personality dynamic starting from the agency or client, the executive producer that's on it, the director, what their experience is, the producer, what's the support, what's the timeline? Is it something that's a really slow bait because you have something that's massively complicated to figure out or there's no money, so it kind of has to have a slow bait? Or is it something that awards on a Thursday and it shoots on a Tuesday? Mm. One of the things that I enjoy doing is getting to really understand what the personality of the job is Mm -hmm. to make sure that I can best support it in that way. What's the director like? Have they shot before? What kind of producer does it need to have? How do you make sure that everyone's communicating well together? That kind of actually leads us to the next question that we have, like for those folks out there, for um, Rebecca's father. 
basically, we get line producers get work a couple of ways. One, we're called by the company because we work well with a company. One, we're a director hire. They recommend director hire. Or we get slid into something or move up, meaning that we were a production manager at that company for a long time. And then we start working as a producer at that company. So there's many ways that you find producers. What do you look for in a producer when you're able to hire the ones that you want or... If it's a first time hire and you are speaking to them, like, what are you looking for? A calm, steady boat for me is very important. Specifically, the jobs that we do are extremely challenging. They have a lot of tech involved. They have a lot of components involved. I have had so many producers over the years. I can't do this. I'm going to walk off the job. And there's so many things that are so hard in our job and getting that phone call is challenging. And it's not to say that I'm not here to vent to because I am, Mm -hmm. but there's difference wanting to vent to your head of production. You need to commiserate. Mm -hmm. And then somebody saying, I can't do this. I think I'm going to walk off the job. Well, they're basically asked putting you in a position to talk them into staying, which is, Oh yeah. They're not actually saying, I appreciate people that have a calm, cool, collected attitude. Mm-hmm. We're creative. We want people that can best support the job, the creative, the director to really help push it as far as I can go. Get as much in front of camera. Understand the dynamics. People that are also good at communicating. Mm-hmm. Good with money. Also, it's so hard because they're so, I feel so bad for line producers in general, because there are so many things that you have to be good at. You have to be calm, cool, collected. You have to be creative. Mm -hmm. You have to have an understanding of the choices that you make as a producer and how that affects your budget. And you have to have an idea, a concept of timing, whether you're building something or whether you are working on shot listing prior to your AD coming on. What are you promising and not promising? So you have to have this like multi-pointed star as your specialty and you excel at each one of those things. While maintaining calm. Well, please just don't walk off the job. It's really not. (laughs) Please. No. No. Just please. No, no, of course. course. It's not cool. It's really not cool. I think I've only only contemplated, well, maybe twice. Once I was on it, this was like, heyday of music videos in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was just one of these. I was a production manager. I wasn't producing it. Producer left at about about 1 a.m., just went home. Mm -hmm. I was there, had no idea. And then it was just all hell was breaking loose. I literally went into my trailer, not my trailer. I went in the production trailer, locked the door, told most everyone to get out except my coordinator. And I had to like think, how many bridges would I burn if I was just to get in my car and go home? <laughs> you pros and cons. I did. I pros and cons <laughs> right. at like four in the morning somewhere in Westwood. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to burn this bridge. I'm gonna burn, and I just like thought about it. And I just had to go through the whole scenario. And then I was just like, okay, I can do this. And then unlocked the door and went back mm-hmm. out and finished the job. My mind always goes to a different place when I'm on jobs or part of projects. When I was still line producing, I was on some mm-hmm. pretty heinous mm. projects with some really, mostly with some really terrible human beings. Right. And I could never contemplate, I'm going to walk off. But internally, I would debate with myself, how much can I pay 
to get off this job? Yes. <laughs> How much money do I have in my bank account? How yes. can I just yeah. pull the ripcord and Give leave? them all my, yeah, exactly. Just take all my money. Take, take the fee back. That I have. Take um, this back. <laughs> take the fee. Take yeah. my yeah. savings account. Take totally. everything. I can relate to that. If you're with a really good group of people and it's a really bad job, you can circle the wagons and say, okay, we have two more. We can do anything for two days. Come on. We're, we're fabulous. <laughs> you can make it through. But if, on top of it being a bad job with bad people, that's when you start to make those decisions. <laughs> the contemplations. That's my internal dialogue that will happen. <laughs> but I Same would never, as- I mean, I would, I would never act on it, but that's no, of course. it goes in my head. It's interesting because whenever I've contemplated, I've always called a fellow production manager or producer, depending on the situation, and discussed it with them and gotten the solid, you know, amount of pros and cons that Lawrence was just saying of just getting a little help from somebody else pointing out how either horrible it is and we can get through it or how it's really not that bad once you say it out loud. I've been learning so much over the last decade learning about people and behavior yeah. and working with people yeah. mm-hmm. that I have noticed whether it is a crew member, a director, a producer, someone on the production team, an agency, a client, if somebody is really, really, really upset mm-hmm. for the most part, they want to be validated. They mm. want to feel seen and they want to feel heard and they want their feelings to be validated because so much of what I do is dealing with some big issue, which mm-hmm. is, generally why that spotlight of my attention gets turned there. It's some big issue that has been brewing for a while that cannot either cannot get resolved because they need somebody at the company level to step in and make mm-hmm. a decision or good it will cop, be bad cop. <laughs> a good. Yeah. Which I love doing. I'm yes, like, which totally. one do you want me to be? It's a great, it's a play great, game either way. It's a great tactic to have mm-hmm. with your EPs and HOBs. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's like a union issue or something that I just will have knowledge of so I can come in and help solve it. But so much Mm -hmm. of what I deal with is somebody who is spitting mad and they're frustrated because something has been brewing for a while. So I come in and like, and I want people to know that I see you, I hear you, I validate your feelings. Mm -hmm. I hear that you're frustrated. I hear that you're mad. You have a right to be. And for the most part, that tends to calm and diffuse a lot of situations not mm-hmm. in a placating way people Mm-mm. really do in my experience want to be seen and heard do you ever come across a situation where you work with a good producer a solid producer does really well right by everybody but you just they just rub people the wrong that maybe they're just hard oh my god of course and but their the quality of their work is great but you just like either you right. personally or they're just unfriendly. They're awful to be around. They're hard to work with. Yeah, <laughs> it will happen in a, it will happen in a couple of different ways. It will happen that let's say this producer is really creative, understands resources, great problem solver. They've been through it all, so they have a really smart way about looking at the project as a whole from like a thirty thousand foot view and mm-hmm. seeing how it goes and how to make sure that they can funnel resources, time, whatever into getting X, Y, and Z. But in the process of that, they will be abrasive, yeah, which can appear as aggressive, Mm -hmm. rude. Mm -hmm. They know everything to the agency Uh, producer. mm -hmm. And so the way that I deal with it in that instance is I know that you're not trying to communicate it in this way, but it comes off as very rude, aggressive, 
mean that you know everything. It doesn't come off as collaborative. Like, tone it down a little. And I understand that you have a lot of frustrations that are bubbling up. You're right to be frustrated. This is a hard job, but don't communicate. Don't communicate yeah. that way. Something mean. <laughs> Just try. Or I'll come in and work on a project where maybe I need to almost like double line produce with it, mm. um, with that line producer and almost utilize me in a way of we're going to be communicating the problems the agenda and the next steps. And I can kind of help smooth out that communication to the agency producer or to the client. Yeah. Um, because I'll be able to decipher what's happening and communicate it in a way that is smoother and calmer and appears more collaborative. This is a relationship business. Your personality, it follows you around. So like being abrasive and, and having those kind of moments is pretty tricky. I personally think that they will plateau on their career if that is their specific communicating style. Right. I think they'll I get a certain type of job and I don't think they will push through that next level. Like you said before, it's like a star. There's five or six different things that you have to be good at. But first, I think really is communication. And whether that's about budget or creative or schedule or whatever it is, it's communication. So- Sometimes it's even lining up a phone call. Sometimes they'll jump on. And I'll be on with the producer and with a, with an agency as well. I'll have a line producer and agency producer and me because there's something that we're trying to work through. And sometimes the line producer will be like, okay, so this is what we're going to move on to next. And I'm like, hang on one second. I just want to set the agenda for the call. Sometimes yeah. just setting a level set agenda. <laughs> this is where we are. And these right. are our goals for the call. Don't Instead of just prologue. jumping in cold. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, yeah. you got to warm up some conversation. Yeah. Buy him a drink first. <laughs> Let's have a conversation. Exactly. It's so easy as a line producer. It's like, we just got to get to the answer. Let's because go. of business. I, yeah. I have 20 minutes. Most of what we do is deal with personalities. Exactly. So how do you believe the industry as a whole has adapted after this last year, but beyond like your obvious safety protocols and learning how to use Zoom? I think it has changed forever how clients and agencies will travel or not travel for a job. I think you high level creatives Mm -hmm. for the most part, mm -hmm. I think we'll be utilizing zoom and Q take for forever. I think Mm -hmm. it's forever changed how filming and specifically the creatives who concept and vision and have sold through these concepts to the client. I think it has forever changed how the participation is during shoots. And I think we will always have a level of remote something happening. For sure. Mm-hmm. I agree with that wholeheartedly because clients are saving a lot of money right now with travel. The agency's not traveling, so they're saving those monies. And this also means productivity. You can actually be on more jobs if you're agency now. I don't think it's a good thing, but I do think that it has changed from a money standpoint and a productivity standpoint. I completely agree. You have an ECD at an agency, you need to send them to Buenos Aires for a job. Yeah. They're also an ECD on 20 other jobs. Yeah. So they may not travel. Maybe they will. Maybe it depends on who the client is. Mm -hmm. But I think it will forever shift that aspect of it. Yeah. Or they could be on a Zoom for eight hours overseeing it. It's definitely opened up the way that we think about and how the jobs were going. We immediately adapted to this kind of work. Yeah. Cat's out of the bag now. We're not going to be able to shut down the, oh, let's have uh, that Q-take link and we'll send it to everybody else in the office too. Like now that that's a reality, I don't think it's going anywhere. 
Yeah. All of our roles have changed, you know, over this past year and coming back to work in this new way. How, how do you think the line producer role has changed? I feel that we need producers to be now more tech forward because for line producers, having the shoot happening in person, your director generally is in person, sometimes remote, but for the most time, the director's in person. Maybe some junior creatives are on set, but then all the senior creatives and client are on Zoom. So this producer role now is turned into this multi-armed octopus that they have to be fully present on Zoom and Q-take, getting feedback, collecting the feedback, communicating it, but also running a set. I think it is tremendously challenging for line producers. And I don't know how it's going to shift to help alleviate that workload. Yeah, it's a whole. I feel terrible for line producers. It's a whole separate job. It really is to to run, especially if you got both in person and remote video village. It's uh, it's 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 pretty tricky. Yeah, I think when you have a solid producing partner at the agency, that helps quite a bit. If you have somebody who is the type of person who just forwards the creatives feedback to you and you have to decipher everything that's when it becomes a listen in for all the notes situation or you just need you need help that's why the support of a solid ep or hop is paramount these days we're doing so much more and testing the crew and keeping safety protocols in place and all of those things too it's a it's a lot it's so much Especially now video villages have grown to like 20 people because everyone can watch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And they encourage feedback. You're like, wait a second. (laughs) I know. And I don't, it's hard because I can support a lot during the prep. The EP can support a lot during the prep, but without me physically going to set or the EP physically Mm -hmm. that, it's really hard to make sure that the line producer is then supported. And dialed in. For sure. the actual shoot days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, what do you think the most important lessons producer need to like learn coming out of 2020? I mean, if you need to take Zoom classes, you need to know how to send out Google Hangouts or WebExes or Teams, any of those things. If there's, something that you, if there's something that you feel weak in, watch YouTube, figure out how to do it by God. There's so much more to learn, you know, and that's, Again, that's why we're doing this podcast, but the world's changing and you have to keep up and you have to keep yourself relevant. Christian, we've talked about that a lot. Staying Mm -hmm. relevant as a producer and staying flexible as a producer is paramount. It's a sink or swim. And it's so fast. And some people like, they're like, oh, I can't wait to go back to normal. I don't think that level is going to ever change. Oh, no. Normal is a completely new thing now. Yeah. Normal's what we used to do versus what we're doing now is completely different. And what we're doing now moving forward is what we're going to be doing. Yeah. It just is what it is. Blessedly people have figured out, we have figured out the world has figured out how to film during COVID. Yeah. How to keep mm-hmm. that moving forward. Mm-hmm. I feel extremely lucky. That was harrowing to say the least in the early months of everything. Tell just us about how it. Much so much not knowing. Well, all these A-type personalities could get together and solve all of the world's problems. <laughs> <laughs> I really do think that. I, I know I say this a lot, but, you know, the meatpacking plants, they're still not testing. Their, like, it took so many industries so long to get there, and we did it, I'm not going to say overnight, but, I mean, we were Pretty back quickly. fully functional almost. And at least we could do stage jobs and film in person in New York by the end of July, yeah. which was in I mean, and before that, we were calling every DP we knew to see if they had kids. 
<laughs> Do you have a family yeah. we can film? <laughs> I had a little spreadsheet going. <laughs> exactly. And agents, and agents started sending out, here's all I know. the that have kids and they have their own equipment. Here's the reels go, which mm-hmm. was very smart. Rebecca, thank you so much for spending a lovely uh, Sunday afternoon with us and chatting with us. I want to ask you one more thing before you go, because it seems like the world's opening back up and people are getting immunized and we're starting to maybe see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, knock on wood. As it's happening, what are you most looking forward to? I desperately want to take two weeks off of work <laughs> this summer, go to Seattle, and just see my family. Oh, all I want to do. Nice. <laughs> so badly. <laughs> Rebecca, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you. chatting with us. This was fun. Well, thanks to Rebecca Davis for that interview. Oh, I um, know. Like, I think it was very informative. <laughs> it is. It is. I think her appreciation for a calm, steady boat in the lead is, I think, pretty good. I, I, I like that because I think I can fulfill that role <laughs> very well. Oh, no, you're the you're absolutely the king and queen of steady uh, to the point of like we discussed how um, yeah, yeah. people sometimes are a little miffed at the fact that you are calm. <laughs> like, who needs panic? <laughs> who I needs mean, panic? My, well, <laughs> some people thrive on it, right? Uh, I took away that how... This is, I mean, so important that line producers need to be like tech forward these days. Oh my God. Yeah, more than ever. We have to manage like 14 Zoom rooms and like, you know, oh, how do you do a teleprompter? Let me explain it to you over a phone call two minutes before my client's getting on. (laughs) 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 I'm only speaking from experience. (laughs) Like, I don't know, HMI cable something. But it's true. You have to be more tech forward. And so if you do not understand the tech how can you you know explain to somebody if something's going wrong very true very true mm-hmm. and it's good to know you know this is only one hop's perspective right one head of production mm-hmm. they all work differently right mm-hmm. i think you can attest to that so learning quickly what this hop that you're dealing with is in charge of and how they like to operate and you might not even really interface with them that much you might be dealing more with accounting but just understanding the personality understanding mm-hmm. how they like to work how engaged they are in your process can help the job go much, much smoother. Right. And I find um, the one one more tip of the day, let's just call it that yeah. if you come to your HOP with only like a severe problem that you've tried to fix up until that point, it's a surprise. So, you know, as tough as it may be, bringing them in on a possible problem, even though that may make you feel like you're, they'll think that you're not as experienced as you are. It's actually helpful in most cases because they can start to head off the problem if necessary, especially if it's money related. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> well, then, Lawrence, <laughs> Producers Happy Hour was created with the help of Christopher Daniels, who is a fantastic treatment designer. He also created the logo and branding for us. And Kyle Puccia, who is a composer for music and TV. He created our show music. It's so good. <laughs> this episode was edited by the brilliant Eric Beals. And special thanks to today's guest, Rebecca Davis. Thanks for listening, y'all. And we're back next week. Be safe out there. Send us your voice recordings or your emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how do people get a hold of you directly? Two ways. Lawrence T. Lewis for producing. Voice of Lawrence for my lovely voiceover work. How about you, Christian? (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) People can hit me anytime they want at Sister Christian Producers. Dot com. (laughs) There you go. Bye, all. Bye.